Hi guys, and welcome to a very special B collusion. There will be no prizes for this, but I dare you to count the amount of times B is used in today's program. Answers in an email to junior at rte.ie. It's World B Day, and what better chance could we have to celebrate one of the most important creatures on the planet? Worldwide, there are over 20,000 different varieties of bee. In Ireland alone, we have about 101. What's really odd is that most of them are solitary. About 80 types of Irish bee live a lone wolf existence. Not actually. Solitary bees don't make honey. They don't swarm or live in hives preferring to nest underground or in small cavities. But although the larger bumble or honeybee get all the press, these solo flyers deserve a serious amount of praise. They are fantastic pollinators. Bees that collect pollen to make honey have a built-in pollen basket, which means they have a natural backpack to bring the pollen back to the hive. Solitary bees do not. As a result, they carry way more pollen from stem to stem. In fact, a single mason bee one common variety, does as much work pollinating as 120 honeybees. That's staggering. If you'd like to help these key bee workers, think about building a bee hotel. You can buy them, but there are lots of tutorials online and they can be built from things that might otherwise be going to waste. There's never been a better time to keep yourself buzzy. Well, well I know, I love bee jokes and I just can't help myself. I'm seriously missing my bees. I'd usually be in there every nine days and I'd spend a good amount of time with them. And at the moment, they're in very capable hands, but I don't have the access to them that I normally would. And I do have news on them and I'm gonna keep you guys informed all throughout the summer. They are collecting a lot of honey. They're collecting a lot more honey this year than they've collected in the previous years. They're doing great. And I am really hoping that I can get to see them very soon. It's high time we flew to our nearest apiary. How you doing? My name is Mark Cook and I'm a beekeeper. We have four hives in this apiary. So an apiary is where you would have a collection of hives. In this room is where I store all my equipment. I need space, there's a lot of space that is required. And mostly you need equipment for extracting honey and you need lots of safe areas. A bee needs about six different pollens for a, a healthy diet each day. They travel to about 250 flowers an hour. And they put the nectar, because it's not honey yet, because it's too wet. It's 80% water. So they, they have to bring that back to the hive in their stomachs. And they vomit it back up. So your honey is technically bee vomit. So through prophylaxis, they give it to another bee. And another bee puts it on its proboscis or its tongue and they bring it into their hives and they paint it on the cell walls which dries it out like hanging out your, your washing and that is how they dry the honey and they reduce that from 80% water down to about 18% water. I would say don't be too scared of them. If you're aggravating them, yes, they will, like anybody else or any creature, if you are aggravating them, they're gonna defend themselves. So if you walk away slowly, they will leave you alone because they're only inquisitive to find out what you are. They think you're a flower because you're tall. You're in their flight path because most bees will tr will fly about the height of your roof of your house if you live in a two-story house. That's their average flying height. If they're down low, it's usually to a flower or to forage something or they're tired. 
I keep my smoker outside because you don't want any smells where you store your honey because any aromas the honey will soak up any smell so if you have a smoky smell or if you any perfumes or aftershaves or petrol where you store your honey that smell will come through on the honey I am preparing this what's called a smoker so what we do is we smoke a light smoke to the bees because bees release a, a, what's called an, an alarm pheromone and it tells the other bees that someone's in their hive robbing their honey or attacking them. So the alarm pheromone we don't want to be encouraging so the smoke masks the receptors on their antennae. They have about 170 little noses on their antennae so we want to mask the smell as much as we can. A fruit fly has about 70 receptors on their antennae whereas a bee is about 170. So we give them a lot of smoke or we in the air not necessarily into the hive you put your hand over your smoker if you can feel the heat off it it's too hot for in the hive because if you put any embers into the hive or little sparks that spark could land on the queen bee and if the queen bee gets burnt it will die and then your hive is in serious problems and then you as a beekeeper you have a lot of work to get it back up to strength this is just to get the fuel hot and ready for the hive to let the bees know that we're coming so they will fill their bellies with all the honey that's in the hive because they think there's a fire in the area and there's less chance of you being stung because they'll have a full belly and they can't bend to sting you so we walk up to the hives now so what we're going, we're going to do first is we're going to give them a smoke and walk away for two or three minutes just so they know that there is smoke in the air. If you smoke them and you open the hive straight away, it, you haven't given them a chance to react. So, when we go through bees, we never stand at the, the entrance of a, of a hive because that's like the air, it's like the airport. This is their landing path. So if you stand in the way, they are going to bounce off you or else they're going to come back and figure out, trying to figure out what you are. So as a beekeeper, we always enter from the, the back of the hive. So it's safer. So what, I have to cr what's called cracking the hive open. So it makes a cracky noise when I just open it. We do not want any dirt or disease getting into the hive. There's two main diseases that we have to be careful of in beekeeping. And they're called AFB and EFB. So American fowl brood and European fowl brood. So that's a disease of the brood. The brood is the young bee in a cell. This is what this is a shallow frame on this hive. So the clear liquid you see in these hexagonal cells is nectar. The hexagon shape is the most effective shape in nature because it, it uses the least amount of material for the most amount of space that it can use. If it was square, it would take up more wax. If it was round, there's still space in between. So hexagonal wise, it's the most effective means because it takes a lot of honey to make wax. When this is what's called capped over, when they put a layer of wax over it, it will be a honey. So if you look at the bees now at the moment, you see all their heads are stuck in the cells because we just smoked the hive at the entrance. So the pheromone has already gone through the hive to say that there may be a local fire. So we have to leave the hive and find a new home. So we've tricked them at the moment. So they're in the hive, filling up their bellies, ready to leave. 
in case the fire gets too close. If there's any disease in the hive or if there's a foreigner in the hive, as in a, a, a moth or a bee or anything like that, they can ball it and kill it. So inside I found a bumblebee that came in because it was hungry. As I said earlier on, this time of year they are starving. So a bumblebee came into the hive and was balled. They surround an unwelcome guest in the hive. Hundreds, if not up to a thousand bees, will surround that intruder and heaten it so hot that it dies. It suffocates with the heat. And then they couldn't get it out because it was too big for them to drag out. This bee almost looks like a beetle because all the hairs on it have been taken off and thrown outside because that's the best they could do at this time. They make a twelfth of a teaspoon of honey in their whole lifetime. And it takes about 250 bees to fill up one cell in the hive. And the bee has to travel about 500 kilometers in its lifetime to collect that twelfth of a teaspoon. They will have half their life in the hive as an adolescent and then when they become a forager after about three weeks, they will be out foraging and they'll have about three weeks out foraging. And they will travel for about a kilometer to five kilometers if the forage is worth it because there has to be enough nectar and honey in it to work a while because they have to use that energy to fly. So the further they, they have to fly, the less they're bringing back to the hive. Colony collapse disorder has many folds. There's not a lot of food corridors out there for them. So if you only have a shopping centre that's one mile down the road and your next shopping centre is 10 miles down the road and your local shop closes, you have to travel 10 miles to the next shop. And that might not be viable because you, you have to bring everything with you, all your equipment, and it's not worth a while. We're trying to bring in more corridors or natural corridors for the bees where you can bring more suitable habitat in for them. At the moment, habitat is very limited and we need more of it. Well, at this time of the year, the basic daffodil is an important crop. There's a lot of vitamins, amino acids that are very good for the young bee to survive. Daffodils are the first flowers of this time of year for the bees. They need nectar to feed them. So it's one of the first flowers of the year. Biodiversity is dependent because they've come over the winter. The last six months they've been in a hive, in the ground, in a tree and now is the time when they're hungry. So if you're six months not allowed into your kitchen, you're starving. They need food, they can't survive without it. So by giving out sweet drinks for them or growing native flowers, let it grow a small area, it's all important. So you bring in more of your biodiversity, you bring in your butterflies, your other insects that are important for pollination. Because 80% of your crop that you're eating at your table is pollinated by bees. These are one of the high pollinators. These are the only bee that man keeps that actually makes a surplus of hoodie for human consumption. Most of the bumblebees and all the other bees can only keep enough storage for personal use. They don't keep a surplus. Honeybees make enough for what's called a rainy day. So they leave enough for the next winter. So we take some of the wax, we take some of the honey off and it grow lots of flowers around so they have enough spare honey for us to consume as consumers. So if you decide that you're afraid of bees, why don't you come to an apiary and learn how to manage and keep bees and it, might, it may change your opinion. We need new and young beekeepers. Like We need pollinators, people that know how to grow plants and to look after bees because it's all part of Mother Nature and we 
we need more people like you guys that can stand up and help. When you're a kid, bees and wasps can have a bad reputation. We think of them and we think stings. Most sharp cell devices and sprays to kill them. They are thought of as pests, but so much rests on their tiny shoulders. Wait, do bees even have shoulders? You just can't get the writers these days. Bees are incredible. The average worker bee lives for about five to six weeks, half in the hive and half out of it. In that time, she'll produce about a twelfth of a teaspoon of honey. Imagine that, a lifetime dedicated to work. So it takes 575 bees to fill your average jar of honey in the shops. It seems like it should be a lot more valuable than it is. I think we might all value the bee a bit more if we learned about them when we were kids. I'm Lalana and I'm at nine. I'm Kintira and I'm six. And my name is Bevan and I'm 11. Our grandmother, she keeps bees. Granny has her bee hives around her flowers and vegetable plants. Her name is Hoodie and she lives up in Kilmashogue in Ross Farnham. Hi, my name's Isot and I'm the mother. Three years ago, Michael Wiles, he has Tara Hill honey in Wexford. So we got in touch and he invited us up to see the hives and see how everybody brought us in and how the whole process. So it kind of just triggered something in my mom. Now she's always kept, you know, uh, the garden and vegetables and that. And she did the beekeeping course that he recommended. And from that she met a friend and then helped her friend and kind of like it as a, an apprentice. And then a swarm was up where she helps her friend. Yeah. A queen had escaped and they all flew to protect their queen. So my brother went up and collected them. They put her and her swarm into a hive and now they're happily buzzing around my mother's uh, making honey. She has about half an acre of land and she keeps two beehives and we have had experience with going out into hives and seeing how honey's made and stuff like that. I was quite nervous at first, but once I was out there, like they couldn't really do anything. I wore a bee suit, I don't know about these two, but... I feel a little bit nervous too because it was my first time. I was afraid that they would sting me. I think as a whole in the whole education around bees is so important because I think there's this whole fear instilled where someone sees a bee and I, you know, and then swat it away or even a hoverfly because they think it's a wasp or and I think if the whole education around bees was better that the, we, we wouldn't have the instability that we have at the moment. I felt like 1% nervous out of 100. I've tasted the honeycomb before, though. It wasn't that nice. It was kind of hexagons in it, like loads of teeny tiny hexagons. There's kind of like these slots in the hive that you take out, and then there's honey there, and usually it's covered in bees as well. I don't like it plain, but I, I like it on something. My favourite thing to have honey on top of is um, peanut butter. It tastes more rich and strong and nicer um, because like it's fresh honey and raw honey and it's really nice. They give us the honey and the honey is really good for us. If we didn't have bees, we wouldn't have any fruits, any apricots, some vegetables. It would be a pretty plain world. We sowed some seeds that bees like. Some of the flowers that we sowed were poppies, sweet pea, and all that kind of stuff. 
And like that with the kids, having to plant different varieties and knowing that different bees like different flowers, that it's not just one type of flower or one dandelion, that there's like the leaf cutter bee is small enough to fit into a sweet pea, but a bumblebee, his bottom's too big, so he can't get in there properly. So all those kind of things. And then from that, knowing where your food comes from and how hard these bees work. My favourite thing about bees is um, that they pollinate flowers. They can sting once, then their stinger gets pulled out of them. It's sad. There's over 101 species of bees in Ireland. The more people or children who get involved, the more people who are protecting bees, and, well, that's the way it should be. I'm not scared of bees. I think it's great that my grandmother um, takes care of our bees and has them. I miss you, Hoodie, and um, I can't wait to go back and give you loads of hugs and do all the sort of stuff that we used to do. I'd love to go back to the sleepovers and the birthday trips and all. We, we miss you, Hoodie. I miss my granny too. Shout out to Nana in case you're listening. I don't think there's one of us that doesn't have a loved one we can't wait to see when this is all done. Evolution! Bees are in trouble. We know this and we've known this for a long time. Since 1980, three of the 101 species known in Ireland have become extinct. Others are under serious threat. Many species have seen more than half their numbers disappear. Internationally too, we are losing way too many of these vital pollinators. Bees are leaving their hives never to return and leading to a phenomenon called the colony collapse disorder. In some parts of the world, up to 90% of the population has just disappeared. We need to act and we need to act fast. You may think you're too young to make a difference, but I think I've said it in every episode, everyone can make a difference. And some people start young. Hi, I'm Elizabeth, I'm 14 and I'm a beekeeper. I'm Elizabeth's father, Tom, and I help Elizabeth out with her bees. Well, Dad found out about the local association and I, I just got interested in like listening about the bees and just wondered what made them tick. I was eight. We had some apple trees here that we didn't get any fruit off, so we um, placed an ad to see if we could get somebody to put a hive of bees into it. And a local beekeeper put a hive into it for a year and Elizabeth helped him for, his, for, for her first year. And that's what gave her the taste for them then. So we multiplied then. We got our own bees after that then. And we've multiplied since. We live in Clermar, so I do, in Mayo. We have around 20 hives and we take care of them and we make sure they survive through winter and stuff. In 20 hives, you would have about 60,000 bees per hive. It's hard to name individual bees, so it is. During summer, it can, their bees could reproduce like queens and you just have to try and keep them alive by getting more hives. And by that, we just got more and more hives too. When we started, you could start with 10 and you could end up with 12, 13, 14, depending on how the bees are. I was always interested in nature. So whenever like you'd see bees flying around, I'd always wondered what did they do? And then whenever I found out more about how they pollinate flowers, I got more interested in the hive itself and how they work inside the hive. 
There's one queen and she's in charge, so she lays all the eggs and that's how there's more bees that come into the hive. And the bees, they go out and they pollinate flowers as well as get nectar from the flower, which they turn into honey back in their hive. And so in the hive, they take care of the baby bees known as larvae and they keep the honey so that in the winter, whenever they can't go out, they keep it um, so they can eat it. In the beginning, when we bought our first set of bees, we had to buy the hive then and all the frames for it. We also had to buy all our bee equipment and our suits and smokers and all that. So I say to get started in it, you could be looking at the best part of a thousand euros to get started and up and running. But once you get her, we'll say her bee suit and her her smoker and equipment, that'll last her for her lifetime then. So it's not an ongoing expense then after that. Once you get built up, it's not that expensive to keep in. You give up time, especially with the amount of bees we have. You could be hours out there. All of a sudden, you could be doing homework, and then you'll be out in the suit because the bees are swarming or something. It's like it's not something that you'll be like, oh, the bees are fine for today. I don't have to look at them or anything. You, you never know because the bees never go by the book. You're always conscious about what the bees are doing and where are the bees and how are the bees, so you have to keep at it all the time. My local association signed me up to go to IMYB through my through FIBCA, which is the Federation for All Irish Beekeepers. The IMYB is the International Meeting of Young Beekeepers, which was held in Slovakia last year. I was chosen to go with two other um, people to represent Ireland. It was fun to tell people about Ireland as well as to learn about um, different countries from those people and the beekeeping they do in their countries compared to the beekeeping we do in our country. We do a small bit of farming here as well. It would have made us more conscious about spraying and hedgerows and allowing more area to go wilder than we would have maybe before this. We do no spraying whatsoever now and try and keep our neighbours to a minimum as well because the bees forage for a mile and a half radius around the hive. So that covers a big area, but luckily we're on the edge of a town. So they get a lot of gardens and that kind of stuff included in their area and they get a big variety of forage then. Bees are important to all of us, even if we don't have bees ourselves, that you see them flying around and you're like, oh, that's a honeybee or something, and you see them on the flowers. And like Dad said, with the orchard, we first got bees, you noticed there was more flowers and the hedges got bigger and there was more wildflowers around the place, that bees do make a difference. And that's why I think World Bee Day is important as well. To keep beekeeping alive as a hobby and a business for years to come, young people should get interested in it so that it can survive. Because in our association, when I first joined, there wasn't that many young people, and there still isn't. And it's important that young people learn about bees and know about bees for the future, because they are important to our survival, along with animals and plants. Find out about your local association of beekeepers, because they were the ones who really helped me out all local associations would have monthly meetings that even if you didn't have bees you can still attend the meetings every month if you become a member you'll get the national fibka magazine and you can learn a lot without having bees you can learn a lot about bees and then you'll always meet somebody at the club maybe that's near you that will let you come along and get a bit of practical experience first before you get into your bees
Whenever we get our jars of honey and you look out to the bees and you see the boxes of honey that they have, you realise that how much of a hard worker and the phrase busy bee really goes to show whenever you go out and you see the honey that you get from the bees. It shows you that they're hard workers, they literally work till they die and the jars of honey, it's like liquid gold when you think of it to the bees. It's their lifeline as well as all their work they've done their whole life. It really opened up my eyes to see how wild nature is very important. I don't want this World Bee Day episode to come across as bleak. Bees are worth celebrating and more and more people, just like those on today's episode, are fighting for their cause every year. Even the bigger farmers, more intense farmers, seem to have realised that not only bees but an awful lot of other different little mites and bugs are also a big help to them and they seem to be getting more responsible about how they grow their crops and fertilisers and sprays that they're using and when they apply them and how they apply them. The minimum amount of spray they can get away with is what they're using now. I'm hopeful for my future. It's your future I'm concerned about. I want more people involved. I would like to see all you public listening to this to get involved and write to your TDs, write to people that will listen and see what you can do. Even if you grow one flower, if 10 people do, that's 10 flowers and that is, that's helping a lot of species just to have something to live on. We've seen it recently where flowers are starting to develop and we're getting more bees and more insects grow coming back. So get in area. If you can get a corner of your garden to grow wild, it's great for our mother nature to survive. At the moment, we, we're just growing concrete. In 2015, Ireland released the All-Ireland Pollinator Plan, one of only a few countries in Europe to publish a strategy to address pollinator decline and protect pollination. This is not just the protection of bees, but all of the tiny things that help our crops and flowers grow. But enough. You turn into a zombie listening to me all day. What? You want to be alone? Okay then, buzz off. I hope you have a really good World Bee Day and I'll see you all soon.